Hello and welcome. You are listening to Moodily Matters, the podcast that recognizes that your mood matters. Every episode, we talk to a range of amazing guests with experience in some of the top organizations in the world, discussing work life at the crossroads of mood, well-being, and performance. Together, we aim to create better workplaces, one mood at a time. Let's get started with your host, Moodily founder, Erica First. Hello and welcome. I'm Erica First, your host of Moodily Matters. My guest today is product designer Michelle Ang, who after a terrible health scare, decided it was time for her to get serious about her professional boundaries. Today, she shares her experience and her precious and hard-earned wisdom about where to draw the line for your own well-being. And now on to the episode. Michelle, thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, why don't you, uh, could you please introduce yourself and uh, tell people who you are, what you do? Just a, a little introduction. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so my name is Michelle. Um, I live in New York. And professionally, I am a product designer. So I design uh, websites and apps. Um, and I also run a nonprofit and I am building a femtech startup. Oh, nice. Amazing. And um, actually talking about that, can you share with us a little bit about your career journey, where you started and how you ended up where you are today? Yeah, of course. You know, um, what is really interesting about, you know, your show is because you talk a lot about stress. And I would say I started my career in a very stressful environment back in 2007. <laughs> As we all know, um, the recession really hit in 2008. But I was really lucky to, um, I was studying in Boston at the time, and I was really lucky to get a job in Wall Street uh, as a software engineer in 2007. So right before the recession hit. <laughs> and um, it was a very scary time uh, for, I think, a lot of us especially for someone who newly graduated um, because I remember seeing layoffs left and right and mm. people were just, there was just this huge amount of um, uncertainty and people just afraid of losing their jobs. And so um, so I grew up in the environment. My first job, <laughs> as you know, financial industry, it's, you know, usually people work really long hours, but at that time people work like, extra and I remember really not knowing the boundary because everyone just works through midnight I remember working you know 2 a.m 4 a.m weekends you know I remember working like the whole day until the next day like afternoon like it's just normal because everybody mm. working so much um and so, yeah, so that was how I started my career. <laughs> um, yeah, Tri and I feel trial yeah. by fire. I know, and I, I I also feel really bad for the this generation now because we are you know in this uncertain time, and I'm sure a lot of them also feel the same way. Um, so that's how I started my career, and then I um, it was very interesting. Similar to you, I had um, a health issue. Um, I was diagnosed with cancer. And so I decided that, you know what, I just wanted to do something I really love. And so I decided to quit my job as a software engineer and become a product designer. 
That's, um, I mean, I'm sorry that it had to finding your path had to come through such a, a difficult challenge, but that's, um, you know, all's well that ends well, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and so you, do you work freelance, uh, as a product designer, you have your own company. How, uh, how are you set up? Yeah. So I have my own company, basically a one woman shop. <laughs> I work a lot with small businesses, um, startup companies, um, and also nonprofits. Um, so that's how I, I really prefer smaller companies because I enjoy helping, you know, um, them succeed against the big guys, <laughs> so to speak. Um, yeah. And I'm industry agnostic. So, but I do prefer mission driven, uh, companies. Okay. Which actually is a perfect segue to my next question, which is mm-hmm. what is your personal and professional mission? Yeah. So I think, you know, I think I made a choice very early on and I think it wasn't very, um, so let me step back. So like, you know, when you're younger, um, they always ask you like, what do you want to be? You know, especially at your first job, they're like, where do you see your career path going? And all I could say at that time was I didn't want to be like my managers who work, you know, like 24 seven at a job that they might not necessarily enjoy. Um, and so I think um, really early on, I decided to focus on only working on things that I I like and I think that could make a positive impact for society. And so I would say, you know, personally, I definitely think that it's important to, um, you know, like your family structure, right? Like taking care of your family, you know, not putting your job first. And I see a lot of people, they, you know, they might work long hours, late night, they might miss their family, like gathering and stuff like that. Um, You know, I do that sometimes, but I wanted to make a very conscious decision that I'm not going to, you know, damage my like personal relationships because of my work. I think, you know, I want to protect that. And I think in terms of professionally, you know, I pick um, like I mentioned, I pick small companies uh, or companies with mission um, and I run a nonprofit and my nonprofit basically help people, um, call students in New York City who are what we call under-resourced and really help them get that first job that they, you know, wanted um, because, you know, they, we call them like under-resourced because they're usually like immigrant family or they're the first one who um, are going to college or their first one who are aiming for like a white collar job and they really don't know how to get there. And so I think my, you know, that's my mission is just really try to make impact, you know, with my work while not sacrifice my personal, um, uh, life. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, um, it's very important. You know, it's a really profound, uh, an important mission that you have, especially the work that you're doing with your nonprofit. So you know, I'm sure thank you on behalf of them, but also it's just a, a really inspiring thing that you're doing. Um, so, and you've kind of hinted at this, 
mm-hmm. in what you've said before, but more explicitly, what does well-being mean to you? Yeah, I think well-being means can mean a lot of things, but I think essentially you have a good enough, um, a well-balanced life, um, but also a good enough mechanism, a defense mechanism that would um, help you through bad times. Um, so that's what well-being means. Like, um, and it's, you know, because a lot of times, you know, in the modern world, we have a lot of stress. And I'm sure as, you know, a business owner, you feel it, you know, very deeply like myself as well. Um, just a lot of uncertainties. And so I think having the having different tools in your toolbox or at least kind of know when things are maybe out of balance in your mind and that you know you need to reset yourself or like having different skills to help rebalance your mind and body. I think that's really important. Um, Yes, I know it's a little bit vague, but I think in general, it's just like, you know, take breaks, (laughs) Um, you know, eat well, exercise, um, you know, talk with friends and families. Um, I'm not saying I do them well, but like I think now I'm at the age where I'm cognizant that like these are the things I need to do. You mentioned having the skills to be able to balance yourself mentally and also professionally. And so let's turn over to the skill that you um, are bringing us today, which Mm -hmm. is talking about professional boundaries. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, what do professional boundaries look like? Mm -hmm. I think that professional boundary, it's centered around, I think first of all, it's centered around you. Like it's your personal value, something that you would not compromise um, no matter what. It doesn't matter. You know, you might, potentially make other people unhappy but you know you have enough self-worth that you are able to communicate to the other people that hey this is my limit um you know whether it if it is somebody comes to you at 6 p.m you know on a Friday be like hey I need to I need something like by Monday, you know, like 9 a.m., you know, like being able to push back and be like, hey, you know, like I know that this is really important to you, but, you know, um, you know, I have a family, et cetera. So I think being able to push back, that's really important. But I think being able to set a really good boundary, it really requires yourself as a center. And so if you don't have a really clear idea of if you don't like love yourself or if you don't have a very strong self-confidence that you know you're worth it you're worth being able to rest you're worth um being a um not being asked to do like outrageous and ridiculous things just to satisfy other people etc so um so that would be my definition 
Okay, so then we can say sort of the first step in developing professional boundaries are having a clear idea on what yours are. Yes, I would so, say so. So mm-hmm. you you have to sort of establish in your own mind and in or even literally with a list, mm-hmm. what is important to you? Like, I will never cut time out of this or I will always be home at this time or, you know, um, my, one of my things was always when people would put meetings in my agenda without asking me, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, yeah. my time, I get to decide yeah. how I want to spend it, you know? Yes. So if you'd like me to come, please send me an email or call me and let me know what it's about. And then let's see a, if we can solve it on the phone or mm-hmm. B, if it's worth a meeting. Um, so, you know, to each person, I think it, it looks different. Mm-hmm. Um, but to know like what your, I don't want to say pet peeve, but, but what, what is valuable to you? What mm-hmm. are some of the other, you think sort of, um, professional boundaries that we can see that someone yeah. might, might set up? Yeah, actually, um, if we can go back to the calendar thing, um, a little bit. Because I think, like you mentioned before, routine is very important for us because things just change a lot as entrepreneurs. Um, you know, I think calendar is very interesting. And so what I do is I actually only have certain um, days of the week or certain time of the days to take in meetings. Um, and then everything else would be like my, my, free, uh, my time to think and my time to work. Um, I think, and and I would call that like boundaries. Like this is like my time, and and otherwise, like you know, anybody can book whatever time they want. So I think you know, like going back, just know your boundaries. It's really important. For example, I know that I work better, um, you know, in the afternoon. So like I'll schedule most of the meetings in the morning, uh, my time. Um, so knowing really what works well for you is important. Um, so, so that's the note I wanted to add regarding, um, calendar. I think, um, regarding other, like, professional boundary, um, you know, like we talk about, you know, just knowing where, where you stand. And I think that, you know, there are times, and, and when I reach out to you, you know, I talk a little bit about what, companies could also do and and I want to kind of blend it a little bit so I think a lot of times nowadays um it's very interesting with our economy where you hear that a lot in the news you know um companies complain about the new generation they want to have a normal life and they will shame them right Mm. um and you know quiet quitting I think that's the term yes (laughs) (laughs) um I mean that's basically them pushing boundary right you know like they're like um you know once we hire you we want you to work 24 7 and you devote your life to the company and you should not have your personal like have side interest um I think I think companies could definitely do a better job because like people are not stupid you know with this economy you can see companies firing people like laying off just to meet um, some numbers while posting um, 
really, really good profit number. Mm. Um, why would people, you know, this is not 30, 40, 50 years ago where, you know, our parents or grandparents would work for a company their entire life because we know that there's no longer this kind of job security. They're willing to sacrifice people just to meet numbers and just to make themselves look good in front of like their board and stockholders. And so I think it's really important for people to, in order to protect themselves, it's to upskill them in other areas um, and to have multiple things. Even if you have a nine to nine to six job um just feel like is there anything else i could do right now even if it doesn't make money um that could potentially lead me to have another income that you know i'm you know i won't be afraid if i get laid off mm. um so i think that would be like for example my nonprofit right now actually like we're not making money we actually I mean, luckily, I have two co-founders and we really believe in this mission. So we, you know, devote our time and energy every weekend. More than that, we meet our mentees every weekend, but we spend our time planning. I mean, I'm not doing it because, for example, I think this nonprofit will make money. But then it also, not just financially, but also mentally, I have something else. Like I am attaching my worth, not just to my job, but I'm attaching my worth to what I can bring to society, if that makes sense. Um, so, so I do this nonprofit, and then also on the side, you know, like, I mean, that's actually why I started my own company, um, because I didn't want after, you know, I started my career in this really hostile environment where I remember my boss was just gone one day, like in two thousand eight. Like I was literally, I was just working. My boss went for lunch his jacket was there he never came back (laughs) it's freaky (laughs) (laughs) it's freaky his stuff was there for three months (laughs) Uh, that so we're in your i'm in europe Mm -hmm. and stories like that like that can't really happen here it's a it's a phenomenon that's distinctly american and when when people in europe hear about it they're like what like Mm -hmm. Uh, we on the flip side, in some cases, it's impossible to get rid of an employee, even if they're underperforming, they don't mm-hmm. show up, you know, so there has to be a happy medium somewhere, yeah. I think. <laughs> there has to be a happy medium. I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, so I, I really do believe that you just have to, you know, even if you have a nine to six, you know, um, freelance on the side, do consulting work, um, expand your network. So that you, if you get laid off, you can call up your ex-colleague, your friends, et cetera, to, um, to get another job. Um, go to networking events. Just meet other people. Um, pick up new skills. Like always, always be on the look. I mean, I'm in technology. So that's like something natural that we have to do just to make sure we don't stay behind. But like, just be really aware of, new things in your industry and become that expert you know even if you're not even if you're like not like for example a twitter you know influencer for your industry for example at least 
you should be really aware of the landscape and maybe try to become a speaker at a conference, et cetera. Just like get yourself out there, get yourself known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think if I'm sort of like, and I've been taking notes, as I said, um, it's very much about maintaining a um, a respectful distance from the company. Like the company mm-hmm. is not going to show you loyalty. So yeah. you have to take, you know, it's kind of like every man for themselves. So yes. don't rely on your company to provide you the skills that you need. You may have mm-hmm. to go out and get them yourself. Mm-hmm. Um and if they'll get rid of you in a moment's notice, then, you know, you need to be ready to hit the market or do something else. Um, but also to have something that is yours, like you said, mm-hmm. you started the nonprofit to do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. So to make sure it doesn't have to be necessarily a side hustle, it can also mm-hmm. just be a hobby or a passion or something, but that where you are feeding personal Mm -hmm. passions and desires um, for accomplishments in, you know, in in realms that don't have to do with your company so Mm -hmm. that you can keep, you know, where your energy goes a little bit more balanced. Yes. Um, One of the things that we talked about before was like saying no in the, Mm -hmm. in the office. Now, obviously if you are an entrepreneur, you Mm -hmm. are able to manage your calendar and say, I'm only going to take meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm -hmm. Um, when we're in a professional environment, like, uh, financial services or like, you know, your, your early job, um, where there really is. And I think it would be hard for any company to deny it. The people Mm -hmm. who, overachieve the people who do more are obviously preferred but so in an organization where obviously mm-hmm. overachieving is preferred and mm-hmm. and as we've seen with the quiet quitting uh, mm-hmm. phenomenon the baseline right mm-hmm. you are expected to do above and beyond how do you say no without risking your job or without risking being seen as a quiet quitter mm-hmm. I think, I think there are two things. Um, one thing is you always want to back things by reasons, right? For example, I actually ran into that issue um, in my previous job where, you know, I was dealing with a lot of health issues. I actually had two surgeries um, like within a year and I just physically unable to like, and mentally unable to go really above and beyond of, you know, what they're asking of me. And so I think number one is if you do have this kind of issues, just be really transparent and open with your supervisors that, hey, you know, I would love to do that, but, you know, I need the time to to heal. Um, And if they're not supportive then maybe that's not the workplace and so like again it really comes down to whether you're willing to number one you you set your boundary you give your reasoning um and you try to work with your employers and if it doesn't work out you just have to be really comfortable to walk away Mm. you you need to know your bottom line basically um and another thing that i wanted to say is it's interesting, of course, like people who do more get promoted um, faster and et cetera. That's 
completely normal. But I remember one of my um my favorite manager of all time, and he told me that he got a piece of advice from his manager that you know if people always see you working, like if they always see you working all the time, even if you produce great amount of work, they will be like. Why, why is that person working all the time? You know, it doesn't actually give a good impression to people that somebody's, it's, they will actually question like, oh, is it because that they need more time in order to like complete the task? Even though you go above and beyond, but people would be like, oh my God, like this person like write an email like 2 a.m. in the morning, 4 a.m. in the morning. Like actually people who, <laughs> On the receiving end, they might actually feel stressed out. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, like, do I have to compete with that? Um, yeah. It actually makes people feel uncomfortable. Um, so I think I think that um, especially if you become a manager and you work, you know, extra long hours, you put a lot of pressure on your subordinates. Mm. Um and so I actually think people need to set a really good example, if that makes sense. Like, you know, going above and beyond is great, but you need to show that you are capable. And, and I think nowadays, maybe because of COVID, um, it makes it a lot more tolerable for people to actually have a life. <laughs> because we, in Zoom, you get to see like the family members like behind and like stuff like that. And so like everybody kind of, feel the other person's more of a human than before versus before before COVID, you only see them at work and you don't know what happens to them in their family. Right. Yeah. The, the black hole. Yes, <laughs> the black hole. Exactly. So so yeah, I actually think that it's it's good to set an example. Like be like, I'm actually a human being. And maybe I don't know, American I'm assuming European might be doing a better job at this where they, I'm just a guess, like maybe they have um, a better like work-life balance and like they, that's a term, right? Are you, do you work to live or live to work? I feel like American are more like live to work. Europeans are more like work to live. And so I think that has to be balanced. <laughs> and so the first thing I wanted to mention is I saw in someone's email the other day that they're like, I work um, my best hours for working for me are midnight, you know, or like late at night, but please don't feel obligated to respond to this, like do it in the time that's comfortable for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought that was a really nice way mm. of saying like, I'm doing what's right for me, but that mm. I'm, it's not meant to put pressure. Like if you get this at one o'clock in the morning, you don't have to respond, like respond mm -hmm. when it's, um, when it's comfortable for you. And mm -hmm. I thought that was a really nice, like talking about boundaries. That's the way it's like, I'm respecting my working hours, which are mm -hmm. these, but at the same time, I respect that yours maybe look different. And, yeah. and so don't feel that pressure. Yes. Um, and going back to what you said about the managers. So it does definitely depend, you know, the ability to enact those boundaries does mm -hmm. um, depend on the manager that you have. But do you think yeah. it's um, something that you can stipulate already in the interview process like you can start to say like these are these are my hard no's or my boundaries I won't work this I won't work that mm -hmm. or do you think that puts you at risk of getting a job I think that's very interesting I think it's interesting to bring up in the interview I would probably personally 
um, if it were me, I probably probably only do it later in the process, probably not in the very beginning, because at the beginning, I didn't, I wouldn't want them. I think if I say in the very early beginning, they might perceive it as that I care more about my personal than, I mean, obviously they hire me to do something for them, for the company. So they might perceive that as I'm putting my um, like personal um, preferences before, you know, them, even before getting to know them. Um, so I think I'll probably do it if I were me, I'll do it really later in the stage, like maybe even when they give a verbal offer, they're like, hey, by the way, you know, these are my hard notes because I have my family situation, X, Y, Z. But I think it would be good to bring it up at some point, you know, before getting higher, because then it will be kind of a shock. It could be a shock to right. the uh, employer. And it's also, I think you can, if so maybe instead of going about mm-hmm. saying like, these are my hard notes, you can ask right. the questions like what. Mm-hmm. How do you, if someone has to leave early, what's yeah. the approach? Or yeah. if they, you know, if they have a mm-hmm. constant six o'clock out, like what, how would that be handled? Yeah. Um, to kind of see, to kind of see what their responses are. Yeah. No, that is actually a really good point because I do remember sometimes asking questions that in a great way um, because I did remember some companies and you will find that out about a company culture like some companies would be the interviewer would be like really straight up like yeah we have really great work-life balance here you know like nobody work past 6 p.m and we get like summer fridays and things like that or i came across companies where they really they just i told them that um i have you know i run a non-profit on the side and they actually become very concerned they're like oh, we want our employees to be dedicated 100% to this company and we don't want our employees to have anything on the side. I mean, that's mm. a red flag. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's actually like in my generation, I don't think it was very, you know, you were considered lucky. Like the company mm-hmm. was picking you mm-hmm. and there's definitely been a power dynamic shift in the last mm-hmm. few years, which is getting more and more pronounced as more of the Gen Z moves into the to the workforce. Um, where now it's like, okay, well, I'm also interviewing you right back. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you see if I'm a good fit for you, but let's see if you're a good fit for me. Um, and this is, and the interview process is the best place to discover that. So if you have specific things that, you know, you need that are Mm -hmm. values to you, um, like how, what's the process for promotion? Is there a career path? Like, how do you handle job development? Uh, how do you handle people leaving early? Mm-hmm. Things like that. To not be afraid to ask those questions during the interview process so you have a very good idea of what kind of culture you're walking into. Yes, it's very important. Um, so how do you think, what's the risk? Let's talk about the risk. Mm-hmm. If you don't have boundaries, what happens? Burnout. <laughs> complete burnout um i mean burnout would be what i call um what would be the not the the best thing that you could have i mean that's not the right way but like honestly like people could get divorced like relationship your personal relationship can break down i mean 
family could break apart. Um, it's you might miss, you know, you know, like your parents, you know, something wrong health wise, and you might miss seeing them um, for the last time. Like, there's a lot of consequences <laughs> if you if you can't say no. Um, and you don't practice it. And so, and sometimes things like, I want to say things like relationship that tend to break apart over time. You know, you might think that, oh, it's okay if I do it once, do it twice, you know. But then you never know on the other side what, you know, your own family feel. And like one day it just suddenly hits you that, holy shit, you know, like what happened? Yeah. Um, so I think, so burnout would be, you know, like the one thing and the other end would be just, you know, your entire life just fall apart. It sounds kind of yeah. scary. No, but I mean, it's, it's right. It's a misconception that we can, we have two buckets, the personal life and the professional life, because mm -hmm. obviously they influence each other. Yes. If we're having a hard time at home, we come into mm -hmm. the office and we might be more difficult and vice versa. For sure. I think it's hard. Like, don't get me wrong. Like nobody wants to say no to the other person. Nobody wants to be someone who make the other person feel uncomfortable or be seen as somebody who's, um, who's, I don't know, not, you know, unhelpful or, you know, you're not willing to go above and beyond. Um, but I think, I think sometimes I actually do respect people who have strong boundaries. <laughs> Even yes. if they say no to me, I'm like, oh, you know, like I see where you're coming from. You know, you have a very, you know what you want, you know what you want to protect and this is your bottom line. Yeah, let me work with that. Yeah, you know, I think people do appreciate it. And it's, of course, obviously no one likes to hear the word no. We are, yeah. um, and I actually just wrote an article on this about how shifting your relationship with the word no mm -hmm. can actually change how you experience each day. Because as children, obviously we're trained from the first moments that we start reaching out to do things, we did no, 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 no. So it means something bad. We've done something bad. Uh, we've made a mistake or we're doing something that we don't, you know? And so our brains are wired to not to want to avoid a no at all costs, both yeah. in having to say it because you yeah. feel guilty for saying it. Cause what you're doing is telling the other person that they're bad. If you yes. have to say no, or yeah. you're being difficult in some, in some way. And mm -hmm. we don't like hearing it because then obviously that means that we've done something wrong. Um, yes. And we feel, we feel bad about ourselves and um, really, so it's about sort of taking out the emotional baggage that's mm -hmm. around the word no, and understanding that it is a very simple expression of your rights, right? Yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, I don't want to do this. Um, you know, thank you so much for asking me. Um, but this really isn't the an appropriate time for me. Um, I'm sorry if that's inconvenient, but that, you know, you don't have to say no in a mean way, but that there yes. are ways to say, I'm sorry, because we yes. teach other people how to, how we want to be treated. And part right. of that is in saying no, because then when you say yes too many times, 
-hmm. you start to hate the other person or you start to hate the other entity because you feel Mm -hmm. like they're not respecting you, but it's really you who haven't delineated the parameters of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's so interesting. Um, It's interesting. And you used the example of children, like us being little and and when we hear no, it's usually from like an authoritative figure, like parents, yeah. grandparents and stuff like that. You know, like I'm very curious, you know, in your research, is there, um, you know, when it comes from like someone who's like superior, for, for example, is it harder to say no? I would imagine, right? It's probably harder to say no. To, Absolutely, because there's always power mm-hmm. dynamics. And yep. so mm-hmm. when you feel that you have less power, it's um it feels like a big challenge to say mm-hmm. like talking back to your parents right exactly. like like you don't have the right to and mm-hmm. so that's one of the first shifts that you brought up earlier on is that the company will is not loyal to you mm-hmm. don't put yourself in that position either like don't be like oh no they're going to take care of me cuz 9 out of 10 the the truth is no, you know, if they have to make cuts, they will. And you have to just kind of like keep your fingers crossed that you're not one of them. It's, and it's also interesting because, um, I mean, there are two, two things that are interesting. I think one thing is, um, it's not about, I mean, I'm going to give an example. That's not like really work related, but you know, in my nonprofit, I mentioned, um, we help, uh, under resource course students and a lot of them come from family background where um they need a lot of help financially and also help just you know our kids being there and so a lot of times you know we actually part of what we're trying to do is to teach them boundaries you know like you need to you can't skip a session because or like I mean if you have to sure but like you know but try to afford it but like you know you need to do this for yourself um, even if you say no to your parent because you need to babysit your, you know, baby brother or sister, but like, you know, you, you're coming to us in this program to upskill yourself in order for you to have a better future, maybe like even for your family, you know, you need to be able to say no to that in order for you to have a better future. So like we try yeah. to teach them that. And also the other thing that we, try and you know we'll see how it turns out it's this we have a lot of immigrants and um and I that's a different culture expectations so to speak um you know family come from poor family come from um Asian countries a lot of time family came here they're like you can either be a doctor lawyer Right. engineers here, um, here are your options here are your options exactly and so we actually come across um, students who told us you know they are studying this engineering degree because their parents want them to make a lot of money yeah when they graduate and so even teaching them hey you you come to America now, you can have a choice. If you don't want to be an engineer, you do not have to be an engineer, even if you make your parents angry. Right. Um, just, so just teaching them to say no to that or even having a voice to, not a voice, but like even have the space to dream because I think a lot of times they're just so blinded. They're like, okay, I'm going to 
being put in a box I have to do this but like just like freeing them be like hey actually you can choose you can have your own self yourself is not to dedicate to become the breadwinner for your family right Mm -hmm. yeah you don't have you don't have to live on autopilot you can construct your reality yeah exactly and then another thing that I thought it was interesting you mentioned when things you know back in the days it was very um the power dynamic is different I wonder if it's because nowadays they're more I'm just kind of curious if it's do you think it's because there are more women in the workforce and like it's not that traditional back in the days like hey men will work and women will stay in the household where now we have both you right. know men and women will go work and then like they all have to take care of their household yeah um, ability. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's gender based I, mm-hmm. I'm this is obviously just instinctive I don't have any data that would speak to it um but there is definitely a tendency in culture to mm-hmm. as as with every generation before us, the generation after writes their own rules. And Mm -hmm. so the, you know, the generations that are coming in now have different rules for gender identity, for um, how they want to work and what they want to do. I know several people um, who are considered Gen Z who studied for a very specific line of work and they mm-hmm. went into that line of work and it was one of those you're going to have to you know be do grunt work for the next 15 years and then maybe eventually you'll hit mid- middle management and they wanted to do something so they completely wa- were willing to walk away from what they thought was their career to find what was meaningful to them mm-hmm. and i think that is the fact that people are opting out of the system mm-hmm. and rewriting it and i actually think tech most is the reason that most of this happened, you know, mm-hmm. because the idea that you could be 20 years old and already running your own company, you know, right. just completely rewrites everything that we've known historically. Um, so I, I see that tech, you know, where tech came in and kind of blew up how business ran and not uh-huh. only that, but like better, if you're leaner, better, if you're faster, better, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if you're more agile, uh, mm-hmm. so that you can adapt, changed the way everything we knew about working processes. Mm-hmm. And, and then eventually it just sort of bled out into the larger companies where now, if you want the good talent, they're like, well, back in tech, I had this, I had this, I had this, I had this. And if you want me, then here's my, here's my list of needs. Do you meet that? You know? And Mm -hmm. so it's becoming that, that the employee almost in certain cases gets to dictate the terms. Mm -hmm. So, and and I think that's new. Okay. Michelle, thank you so much for your time. Please tell us how people can get in touch with you if they wanted to learn more about your nonprofit, but also about your business. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much, Erica. So my nonprofit is called Project Alpaca. You will see a rainbow color alpaca logo. That's us. Uh, so you can reach us at projectalpaca.org. And um, my uh, design business is at highmichelleing.com. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being here. This was a really in, um, interesting conversation. Yes. Thank you so much, Erica. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Moodily Matters. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. 
and we'll catch you in the next episode of Moodily Matters.